Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Oh, get ready. This is a long, juicy, delicious episode. You're going to absolutely love it. And to make this episode even longer, I wanted to give you a heads up on where I'm at with 2024 and what my business and my coaching is looking like. I spent a bunch of time yesterday just literally stripping down my website I took everything of value, all the content I've created, all the links and resources and like all the juicy stuff from lots of different places and I packed it into a client portal for any clients who are working with me. So like so many after abortion resources packed into there. So it's like a password protected section of my website that clients have access to. I also spent a little time, tiny bit of time revamping the full spectrum space page that is now, it's still open, but I'm adding a group after abortion call. So the membership is open to anyone. Um, I am going to be spending more time than I did all of last year talking about after abortion, after abortion resources and adding a group coaching call with me live. So (laughs) that's an amazing thing to get access to. Um, The other thing I'm changing in 2024 is that there's one way to work with me. That is for $500, work with me one-to-one. $500 a month, weekly coaching, 30-minute sessions, And we just get in there, we do the thing, we transform your life so that you are thriving, you are living the life you made your choice for, you are using your abortions as a part of your story that you, um, that have made you more curious and compassionate about yourself and given you access to the things that you desire in your life moving forward. So, Hop over to the membership, that is $19 a month, access to a group coaching call, or get on in, one-on-one coaching with me every week, $500 a month, so much good stuff. Here's the episode. All right been a hot second since I recorded with a guest so I always love um, unveiling the direction these conversations will go today I have Amy Babish on and I Amy I don't know if you've listened to any of my podcast episodes but I like when my guests introduce themselves because I feel like for today for whoever's listening for your mood for like whatever it is, like how do you want to introduce yourself today? Um, and then we'll, and then I, I think we're probably about to have a really amazing conversation. <laughs> I can feel it coming. So here we go. So I'm so honored to be here. 
uh, I am uh, a psychotherapist, uh, somatic expert, an art therapist by my my training, my formal training. Yeah, I'm an intuitive. I'm an empath. Then I I had a soul awakening and I became a full time coach. Mm. And I also do a health th- house therapy, which uh, includes how do you make your your space safe uh, mm-hmm. and healing. Uh, and I do retreats. My business model is a social impact model. Uh, and my group offerings are uh, equity-based. And I am divorced. Nice. I'm also uh, someone who's had my own personal experience uh, of having an abortion in my 40s. And I have a lot of experience of supporting women with all um, inroads to abortion. So welcome. That's like quite a list of things I just wrote down. (laughs) My listeners know I don't do a ton of research usually before I have guests on. So I'm learning about you as they're learning about you. Um, I follow my gut on what feels right, but I'm like, geez, that is quite a lineup. We've also had the last few guest episodes. There's been a lot of conversation around art therapy. So that's fascinating to me that like that keeps coming up. I love that. Um, I'm super curious about your retreat experience. I tried to run a a post-abortion retreat a year ago, like it would have run a year ago. And there was a little bit of interest, but it didn't fill. And it's still something I very much want to do. It's still something my clients ask me for. Um, when you host retreats, like what kind of clientele is that? What are they for? What are they like? So another one of my um, kind of how people came to me was I was in a very, very early adapter of Brene Brown's work. Mm-hmm. So I was the only person like of three people on the East Coast. And so a lot of really... Um, academically or professionally successful women came to me for shame. Yeah. So I had this kind of cohort of um, many global majority women. And I use that word because people outside America don't know BIPOC. Yep. (laughs) Majority. Yeah. Um, So I have a lot of um, really incredible women from all kinds of backgrounds with all kinds of life experiences. And my, um, my invitation to kind of what how I best serve people, people are people who are here to live a really big life. And even mm. though in some ways they've, they've had a lot of fulfillment or success interpersonally and relationally, mm-hmm. they have a lot of um, hurt, shame, trauma, like an area that just doesn't resolve. Yeah. And so yeah. My, my wheelhouse is to bring women together so that they can safely, um, process and be seen and witnessed and alchemize yeah. what they've been hearing. And oftentimes it's intergenerationally. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of um, work around like epigenetics and wow. helping the body. Wow. Amazing. And we have a lot of fun too. It's like some people are like, that sounds so heavy, but we have a lot of, there's a lot of fun on retreats and when you work with me. So it's not just like, yeah, I think the best retreats oh. I've hosted, um, I've hosted retreats before, but the abortion focused retreat was not something I successfully got off the ground and still might. Um, but for me, the best kind of retreats are, you know, laughter and tears and food and art and movement and like all the things. And I say, you know, I think a lot of people are nervous about, um, and I'm really curious about your professional experience, but nervous about talking about their abortions with somebody um 
because in their head, it's been like so much darkness and weight and heaviness and like confusion. And they can't imagine how, how talking to a therapist or a coach could, could also involve like smiling and laughter and jokes. And like, we can do it all right. Like just because the, the focus feels heavy, like we're going to process your shame and trauma and hurt (laughs) doesn't mean the work is work in that sense. Like um, really powerful work, I think has, has it all involved. Yeah. And, and when I work with people, I mean, I I also work with a lot of people who've experienced all kinds of sexual trauma. Mm. I was a child and adolescent therapist for the first 10 years of my career around sex trafficking and incest and sexual abuse. When people come to me, you know, it's like really being able to hold duality and not, not be enrolled in the story that that they're telling themselves Mm -hmm. or that they're making about it. Yeah. People to come and because abortion is so physical, it is emotional, but the physicality of it, people that feels so complicated for people and so yeah. whatever kind of um, complexity someone's bringing, especially let's say it's a retreat or a group and people don't all have the same exact experience when something comes up like that, that's not like, like an abortion specific retreat, mm-hmm. really being able to yeah. teach people how to hold the intensity of the, of the group process mm-hmm. and how to help people, what we call like a parallel process of, let's say the person brings up, I have this trauma around abortion. And then some people have never had sex or some people can't get pregnant. And so I ask, I, I will invite people to track in their own bodies, what's happening mm-hmm. and to call up a, whatever that is in their system. Like if it's unresolved grief about a parent dying, or if it's about a betrayal in a marriage, like we all carry something that's unresolved in the body yeah. Yeah. and that has shame, like it's a parallel match to abortion. Um, so teaching people about holding intensity and not putting like their gaze or their focus on, oh my goodness, the specificity of this person's share. It's like, keep on bringing it back to me. Let me alchemize it in me. Mm. And that allows the energetic space and Mm. the healing space to really like, um, be a, a personal and collective process. Ooh. Ooh. So good. Um, can you elaborate on a couple of the things you said? Cause I love the way you said not enrolled in the story they're telling themselves loved that. Um, okay. I was about to say a lot of things, but I'm just going to, but that was one thing. And then after that, like, let's talk about the word alchemize, like just the language of alchemizing in me, but yeah, that language to not, what does it mean to not be enrolled in the story you're telling yourself? Yes. So um, this is from my background in shame resilience work with Renee. Yeah. Yeah. But also from, I, I do NLP and mindset work, neuro-linguistic programming. Yep. Um, and so when like you have a best friend or even when you go to a therapist or a coach, yeah. sometimes the the weightiness or our belief that we believe like capital T truth, that yeah. this is the truth exclamation part point. Like there's no, I'm just reporting no, the news, right? I'm telling I'm, you how it is. <laughs> irrefutable. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we can enroll people in our story. Mm. And so um, especially the complexity around being victimized yeah. and oppression, like 
all, all those things that are real, but the, the place of, I can hold the intensity of the trauma of the oppression, um, of the targeting yeah. with identity. Um, and then how can I also start to create space that this is not who you are? Mm. So yeah. yes, this happened. This is horrible. We're not, we're mm-hmm. not saying it's okay. And when we are um, oftentimes enrolled, enrolled in a story, it's immense suffering. Like we're in the, the, yeah. the experience of suffering. Yeah. And a metaphor that I use a lot in my work is the river of life and the river yeah. of death. Okay. And when we are in the river of death, we're not really living. Mm-hmm. And but what often, does that, how does that show up? So that will feel like, um, it looks, it can have many different flavors, but sometimes it's stagnation or stuckness. It's okay. different than a feeling of being in the void. And I know that something's coming, something's percolating, like a wintering feeling. It's different than that. Yeah. Like I, sometimes I don't really feel motivated. I don't feel mm, it's like apathetic. Yeah. It's like apathetic or, yeah. um, Sometimes for some people, a lot of people that I see are doers. So mm-hmm. it's like I do do doing and nothing feels like enough. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. never satisfied. There's mm-hmm. I don't really have meaning or depth. I can't really let in the connection and love that I am getting. It's like there's this um kind of it can feel like different things depending on your nervous system, but it can feel like uh just like a shell of yourself, like, especially if you knew yourself in yeah. another way. Yeah. Um, so it can feel like hollow to some people. Mm. Like, um, I'm very alone, even though there's a lot of people around. It can have, yeah. it can have a lot of nuance to it. Yeah. Usually before um, the work, people have like one foot in the river of life, but then they have one foot in the river of death. And what I see, I've never heard that. Is this like a you thing, or is this this, this river of life and river so of death? Part part. It's not a me. <laughs> okay, I've never heard this. This is like so, fascinating. I'm, I'm trained in a lot of wisdom traditions that are orally passed down. Yeah, so, and I'm very grateful to my mentors, and they are trained in modalities that are um, both somatic and energetically based, but yeah. a lot about um, intergenerational things, lineage, ancestry, and what I would call like the wholeness of life itself. Yeah. So when someone has that one, one yeah. foot, one, yeah. oftentimes what I find is that the foot that's in the river of death, like the part of me that's in that um, circuitry. Yeah. It's really about if I, if I really step all the way into the river of life, I'm going to betray my family mm. or I'm going to do something that's so taboo that I might lose all the relationships that I have. So it's really kind of like a choice point or in um, the hero or heroine's journey. It's like, this is the, this is the point. Do Mm -hmm. I want to keep on receiving the same medicine or lessons? Or am I really going to be true to myself and my values and face my biggest fear? And for some people, they feel like they're going to be like a traditional psychotherapy word annihilated Mm -hmm. um, or they'll be ostracized or they'll be shunned. Like it's those kind of really deep tribal communal feelings. Yeah. And some people feel I, I, over the years, I've attracted a lot of people who left the evangelical church. Mm. So it can be religious trauma. Um, 
it can be around taboos around interracial relationships, or I, I work with a lot of women who've come out. Um, so there's all kinds of dynamics that it's like, this is the choice point. Mm-hmm. And you can keep on living like this. Yeah. But it's not really living. Yeah. And there's no amount of vacations. There's no amount of mantras. There's no amount of exercise or paleo or like yeah. exercise that's going to do that part of the work. Yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot about how our abortions are a choice. And a lot of times we think, well, I made that choice. I should be able to just move on. It's like, and now you have to make another choice and another choice and another choice. And a lot of times that choice you make is to like commit to your own healing, commit to your own self-compassion, commit to like commit to the river of life. Right. It's like, I think we can feel like, oh, I did the hard thing. It should be over. (laughs) I lost 10 pounds. Why can't everything like it, it can't, Why isn't it everything perfect now? Yeah. You can't stand alone. Yeah. So it's like, this is part of the whole. So yeah. it's like, this is, how can I integrate this into my wholeness versus this is just a choice I made. It's done. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah. How do we, uh, I don't know if it's like courage or strength or faith or trust, but like, How do we, when you come back to this idea of the river of life and the river of death, which I'm like still just just like tossing around and understanding in my own head. um, How do we make that? How do we prepare ourselves for that choice? Like how, who, what makes someone ready for that? What makes someone ready to like get their foot out of that? put both feet in the river of life. <laughs> Often that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. So it's usually a felt sense place. So it's not usually like a, a linear thought, like I want to start living my life now. Like exactly like the ego. That's usually the ego saying, let me, let me give yeah. you fixes. So it's a feeling that starts to bubble up. And the feeling that the word that from my lineage, we call it longing. Mm. So this longing is like amorphous. And it sometimes like, like even when I say, cause my body's primed to, to help people with this, it's like a feeling deep inside of your chest cavity that feels tender, but also kind of feels, it can feel gnarly sometimes, but it can feel Uh vulnerable. It can feel like a place without words, like so sacred or holy, like Uh who might want this? Um, Can this really be like, I see in other people, can I really, can this really happen for me? So sometimes it can feel like very, um, very nuanced, but very delicate. And for some people, it feels like a fire. It feels like this fire has been letting me, like, I need to stop my own. I don't know if I can swear with you. BS. Oh yeah, for sure. I need to stop my own. Yeah. Uh, And it's like, I refuse to perpetuate this, this cycle or pattern anymore. Yeah. Uh, And like, I don't know how, but it's like this, it's a, it's a rising up feeling like it's a life force starting to come through. And that's actually the little, the river of life starting to flow through you. Oh, okay. So this is something I toss around in my own head a lot. And I'll give a recent example that was like more business related than anything. Like for a lot of us, 2023 was like a bit of a hard year. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And for me, it was like, it was just a lot of ups and downs. I had two major surgeries. Like there was just like, we lost a dog and then six months later we welcomed like this just 
it's been a year, man. Like I haven't had a year like this in a long time and I know I'm not alone. And so one of the things I toss around in my head a lot, and this just happened to me recently, like um, we had another big transition in our family where we interstate move for our in-laws up into a home where we can help them and support them and like huge move, huge life change for us. And then I felt this like felt sense you're talking about this like pull like okay the river's flowing through me again <laughs> back into my business. I had been job searching like and I was like oh oh no we're all the way in again like this is alive this is vibrant this is like yes it's scary and vulnerable but it's like there is passion here that I have not had for most of 2023. <laughs> um. And the thing that I often debate, whether it's a personal healing or like a business growth or like a relationship shift is, do, is, can we as humans like speed up that process? (laughs) Or is it just, I feel like the thing I preach so often is like, just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up, like be conscious and curious and like, just, just keep going, keep showing up to life, to business, to relationships, to healing, to all of it. And you just never know when the river of life's going to feel like it's flowing through again. What's your reaction to that? Cause, cause then sometimes when you get back in it and you feel alive again and like passionate and committed and like hopeful like, why couldn't I have done that earlier? And that is so much the case for so many listeners with their abortion healing, right? Because it takes some people three weeks or not at all. And it takes some people 30 years. It's like, well, why couldn't I have done that earlier? And my consistent answer is like, kind of, we just don't know. Like you just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. But yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop talking and see what your reaction was to all of that. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So, and, and I will say, yes, Anne, um, my 2023 business wise was, um, a wild ride. I'll say it like that. Um, we don't have to get into my story, but yes. And, um, around whatever kind of like the, what you're talking about with this is kind of a wintering. So I look at in some of the work I do or many, much of the work I do, we look at four seasons. I know not all your listeners have four seasons, but, um, in modern and postmodern culture, people want to omit winter. Yeah. And that's where the seed is really being deeply nourished and held and like resourced. Yeah. And and it gives us a time to go inward and like find the depth, the meaning and the, um, the richness of the medicine lessons. And also to find like, Ooh, there's a little bit of light coming through, Ooh, like not in a, um, like the light is the answer, but the dark is the answer to find the richness. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, um, so when it comes to a pause, a big, big pause in a business or an abortion, when we try and just say, I'm going to just hop into spring nature reflects that we can't do that. We can't just bypass that season um, elementally. And that season is what, when we really deeply nourish and take in and say, 
how can I plant things differently for the spring? Mm-hmm. That that um, review and not like, not through criticism or judgment, but when I really am, am held with compassion and dignity and respect um, with kindness and mm-hmm. uh, wisdom, then my spring will be very different than past springs. And in terms of the timing, I really believe that um, my belief system is that people come in with a blueprint and a soul curriculum. And I'm not, I never tell people what to believe. You don't have to believe my truth. Or yeah. I, truth. Same for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. and so our curriculum was self-designated and when I really am in touch with what's happening in, in my body, it I can make meaning of the winters of my life without wanting to rush through them or without making myself or other people bad and wrong. So, okay. Can I sort of translate how my brain is, or not translate, but like, can I just share how my brain is digesting and making sense yeah, of this? Yeah, yeah. So when we're in like stuckness or stagnation or dissatisfaction or that hollowness or loneliness that you were talking about, maybe you have a better word for this because I hate the term like victim and victim mentality, but it does describe a very much a a sense. (laughs) So maybe you have better language for that, but like that can Sometimes that can feel very victim-y. And again, not the best word. But when we're in like a stillness and a reflection and a darkness and a maybe things aren't going quite right, but like you're, you know, like our businesses, right? It's like they weren't going well. <laughs> but Perhaps that was just because it was winter. It's like by no fault of our own. It was like time to, so it's like from that place of stillness or quiet or like transformation, It's it feels more vulnerable than victim-y. Yes. Is that, yes. yeah, it's like that, it's still not good. It's not like lovely. <laughs> not awesome. You keep showing up to that vulnerability, to that um, rawness, to that like uh, dis, I don't know what the word is. Um, It's kind of like the other language that I have a love-hate relationship with is like, this is happening for me versus this is happening to me, you know, like this is a part of, like, I think if I look back, like 2023 was a part of my process <laughs> versus like a thing that I want to pretend never happened, like, or it happened to me and the world was against me. And okay. What are all your thoughts about that? Like, maybe you're going to enlighten us with some better language. Oh, I don't know if I'll enlighten you, but I give you some <laughs> food for thought, some real talk. Yeah. Um, so yes to everything you kind of nuanced out about the business piece or like that kind of feeling of like, it's like, there's something happening here and I know I can't rush it. And I trust myself. I trust the process, even though I might, my human might get frustrated, my human be, might be like, okay, come on now. And with that, there's usually an ability to notice. So I can notice more subtly like, oh, 
there's a bit more space in my calendar. I wonder why this is happening. This is happening because I lost a dog and because I moved my parents. And like, I couldn't have done that with such grace and flexibility if I was go, go, go in my business. Like we can write, we can kind of see like, this is, this was meaningful. It was like an object, objective perspective almost like you can like you can see like the wholeness of it yeah this isn't just about my business this is about my life and I need some give and take in my life yeah and so it my business took the hit for me okay but if I'm in that period and I'm really just like identifying in this river of death place what might it look like so so (laughs) so, so the so victimization is a word that people sometimes consciously have and sometimes unconsciously have. Yeah. The words that I like to talk about it with is power. Yeah. So yes, pa- empowered, disempowered, like in my power. Powerless or yes. that power is bad and wrong. Yes. So oftentimes when we've experienced abuse or um, like relational abuse, emotional abuse, not just physical or sexual abuse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is not true power that is manipulation and control. And so in our psyches and in our bodies, we have kind of like, if we hold up like your hand and then you put a tissue box in front of it, it's true power. It's clean. It's not bad. It's not right or wrong, but the tissue box covering the hand. So you can't see the hand if you're looking at me face on. Yeah. The tissue box is what we've made power into in our psyche. So it's like a Venn diagram that has no, you can't see the two circles. Mm. So this is power is power over or power is manipulation and control. Yeah. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to manipulate people. So I'm just going to opt out of all power dynamics. And that's on a very unconscious level for most people. And the feeling is because I don't have a, what we call right relationship with power. I am constantly rubbing up the edges, rubbing up against the edges in my own system and how I see myself and how I see the world as powerless. And that, that is not, um, it's disembodied and it doesn't allow for our wholeness. Yeah. Going back to your description of, um, like being enrolled in the story, like, one thing I wrote down when you were talking about is talking about that was it happened to me, but it's not who I am. You said, and then on the flip side, it happened to them, but it's not who they are. Same with like, you know, a year with two major surgeries, one being emergency and, um, and a dog loss and a big parental move and a big child move. And like, right. That was all happening to me. Like those are all true facts but they didn't define me and the place where you lose your power is when it's like those things are are taking away my like those things are in charge and when we take on another layer of it is and when we take on a target identity so people who people who have abortions are like this and that's not usually our true story but that's what society tells us yeah women who need to do this or like this. Like when we, when we bring our identity, like we have many identities, many yeah, layers. Yeah. But when we uh, make ourselves the target identity or we absorb the targeting of our identities from our faith or from our family, yeah. 
from our partner or from whoever, our best friend, mm-hmm. that is like a um, a separating of who we really are, our true self, and the the mask that we wear. So one that comes up a lot and has come up a lot this week in particular, and I'm sure you, I, mean, we, I still want to go back to like how your practice um, sort of attracted, I don't know if that's the right word, so much abortion work and so much like repro work, but we'll go back there. One thing that's come up a lot, and I'm sure you saw it a lot, was like, I'm a bad mom. Like this, if if I did this, I'm a bad mom. And like, I can't even parent anymore the kids I have because now I'm a bad mom. Like such an identity, like a, a absence of power identity thing happening right there. Um, so coming back to my question about like, when we can sort of control the narrative, make a choice to step out versus when we just have to keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. (laughs) If somebody's story is that, like the belief they have right now is I'm a bad mom. Like, is it possible to just like choose to get your foot out of that river and, or is it something that you have to like, work through on some other timeline (laughs) I'm like really trying to figure this out in my head (laughs) so everything we believe it doesn't actually start in the brain it starts in the body Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. the question I would ask and and some people I mean most people that come to see me they can't feel anything from their chin down because they're in the time yeah. This is not like a, you're bad or wrong. If you can't do what I'm going to say next, you cultivate, mm-hmm. cultivate that practice. So the first question I ask when someone lays that kind of statement down is where do you feel that in your body? Yeah. Yeah. So when we, part of the work I do is helping people to dialogue with their bodies. Yeah, me too. So when you take the elevator awareness down to wherever that's, you're feeling it and you know, when you're resourced, like your breathing is regulated, your heart is regulated versus most of us are not in a, in a regulated or resourced state. Most of the time, um, most nervous systems are not that way. So when you are resourced, which is a big process for most people, you can go in and ask your body, like what's happening here. Yeah. So oftentimes part of our body has been holding that belief or that trauma for a long time and it has been trying to get our, our attention. So a lot of people that have this disconnect that is a lack of wholeness of self because I hold this belief or these yeah. beliefs that I'm bad and wrong mm-hmm. or I'm undeserving mm-hmm. uh, related to a specific thing or many things. Our body has been taking a hit for us. And so when we can start to dialogue with that hurt, the body will give us part of the antidote. Yeah. And so going to the body on a daily basis and asking, like not so noticing when you leave with your thoughts, like I don't, I can't feel my body. I'm up in my head again, noticing how to bring more parts of you back. Mm-hmm. And then you cultivate this practice of, am I resourced to have a conversation with my body? 
And over time, that that kind of um, back and forth dance, then you can say, oh, I'm at this place where I actually want to choose something different. Yeah. So most people carry a lot of trauma in their bodies and they can't just go into the, like, I can't like force myself just to go into the river of life because I'm omitting the parts of me that are carrying the hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So those people that are like, why can't this be over and done with? It's like, um, we can't, we can't just leave this out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, did you do, did you do the course with Melissa Tears and Simone Tull? No. Nope. Okay. But this is just your, a lot of this is just your work from multiple other <laughs> experiences. Yes, from many, many, many lives. <laughs> um, one of the tools that's been, yeah, like, I don't know if you find this in your practice, but I'll find that like in a particular week, like a certain tool or a certain language or a certain story will just keep coming back up. And like, I've been using this one particular tool I learned, learned with them about not just feeling in your body, but then separating it from you by like identifying it as an object, right? Like that feeling in your body, it's, what's it like? Is it like a dragon? Is it like a locked box? Is it like a grenade? Is it like a rock? Is it like a, what is it? Um, and then honoring it from that place where you're sort of like an observer of it and changing it from that place. And then, so the question I'm leading to is, it it creates amazing results with a client in a session like you can you watch their whole body change their language changes after everything changes but one of the things that you just said that that I think is interesting and we could talk a little bit about is like sometimes when we do that kind of work with with me or you or anybody um Sometimes it really does unlock something and it like, it really changes something permanently, but then sometimes you have to, it's like an aha moment in a session, but you have to keep doing that work. (laughs) And again, work's not the best word, but like, you have to keep paying attention. You have to keep listening. You have to keep noticing. You have to like, like, what does the object look like today? Where, what's the feeling like today? Did the temperature of it change? Like, did the... Um, speak to that, like, desire we all have, including myself, for, like, the easy button. Like, you have one session, or you have one aha moment, and it's like, we're good to go, moving on. (laughs) Versus it's like a, it's a muscle you build, it's a practice you create for yourself. So most, my experience is most people have this um, part of themselves that's really, like, quick to learn. It's successful. I set a goal and then it happens. Like I'm committed. I'll study. I'll practice. I'll get it. Like that's the doer. Yeah. And the doer gets us a lot of achievement, especially when you've had a hard life, like the doer really helps us to survive. Yeah. And so the doer can't be in charge of healing and wholeness. And that the doer is, is like a compensation for a part of us that's more vulnerable. The part that didn't like, you know, learning how to walk takes a long time when you're a baby. Yeah. Like, and that's why everyone's like, hip, hip, hooray, one step. 
And we know it's a lifetime of like falling and getting hurt and like yeah. all those things and like, right. So we, we, we don't want to be vulnerable and we don't want to see like that our humanity and being human is about a process. It's not about a quick fix. Exactly. And my mentor, my mentor is just, you know, just such a, a lovely and amazing soul. And he will say to me, he's like, as long as you're alive, Amy, you have the whole time to figure this out this lifetime. Mm. And when you get into, you know, really deep, um, deep work, especially after a significant trauma. And for some people that that is abortion for some people, it's other things. So I'm not saying that abortion is the only thing that creates that, but when you really get into, um, the edge of what your personal curriculum is, when you are able to alchemize and heal what that is, it oftentimes is like the, the arc of lifetimes of healing for many of us. Yeah. And so for the people that it's taking longer in air quotes for, sometimes we're here to work through things, not only intergenerationally, but karmically. Mm-hmm when we're able to disentangle from the over-identification of the stories that we're telling ourselves. So the stories that we're enrolled in, it really is a gateway to like massive healing, like, like unbelievable mind-blowing healing. And I find with people, the deeper the work is like the more subtle and more complex and more nuanced it is. It really means that they're primed for something really massive. And yeah, some people will come to me with like, they come to me for shame work, but then they tell me, I think that there's like a black cloud over my head. I think I'm cursed. My family is cursed. Yeah. Working through those, those intersections of what we feel personally and what we feel familial, familially, collectively is, is quite potent. And it takes like, there's layers that like we, mm-hmm. get a, we, we get a big layer and we alchemize it. And then it's like, Ooh, then there's some more layers under there. And for some people it's, it is their entire lifetime. For some people it's like, this is the season of it. And then I, I have some like integration period and stasis and I'm just going to enjoy my life. And then life gives them another opportunity, AKA challenge. Yeah. And here we go again. The words popping into my head are like, you know, we want to know like, what's the timeline. We want to know when will I be healed? If I do this, when will I be healed? And if I do this, when will I be healed? I'm like, and that, the the thing that's popping into my mind is just more curiosity about combining it with this keep showing up piece like you're showing up to having no idea what the timeline is (laughs) (laughs) the only way to learn what the timeline is is to keep showing up if you stop and you just let yourself get swept down the river of death you're not gonna find that but if you keep showing up even if that one next thing isn't the ticket or that one next thing isn't the ticket the only way to for the timeline to be revealed of whatever the thing is you're releasing or letting go or healing or working through or up leveling in like whatever it is and if I you know for my abortion I just kept trying new things and trying new things and trying new things. I I never knew. And I, and eventually I felt completely different about it than I did at the beginning. And if I come back to my business example this year, it's like things that used to work, weren't working anymore. And like, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. But if I stopped 
showing up to it, I wouldn't have gotten to this last month where I'm like, oh, I'm back. Again, I might not be back. I might change my mind next month. But I do feel a completely different energy, a completely different, like whatever's flowing through me is not what it was any other point in this year. But if I hadn't kept showing up, I wouldn't have figured out that, okay, well, it took 11 months this year to get here. So it's just like piecing it all together in this willingness to not know, this willingness to keep trying, this willingness to feel something and play with it again. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we've talked about a lot and nothing all at the same time, (laughs) which is kind of how my whole show goes. (laughs) Um, I, where are you? I was, yeah. Tell I was me where you're just say, like, this is just important around what you just said. Yeah. Um, you show up. You didn't make anything transactional. Yeah. And we, we can't make relationships transa- transactional and we cannot make healing growth, evolution, transformation transactional. It's like yeah. making your business dance for you. Like that yeah. Matter. It's like, if I get this tattoo, it represents my baby. Everything will be better. If I light a candle, it'll, everything will be better. If I go to therapy, everything will be better. And like, that's what transactional is in the sense that Amy's talking about it. It's like, no, it's just like, I'm on this journey and here's the thing I'm doing next. And in knowing <laughs> that it has a compounding effect. Yes. And like trusting from an energetic, physical, spiritual place. Yeah. It's all never not working. Yes. And it's like my human, my ego's timeline for how this should work is never the timeline. Mm-hmm. And the choice point to make the abortion really rearranges a lot of things. Yeah. Because the sacrifices of, of making an abortion, that's not an easy choice. And that like what you have to grapple with, what you have to sit with, it literally creates a rearranging of many things that wouldn't have been chosen by your ego. So yeah. for all of that to be rearranged and for the new opportunities to come in and for the healing to be integrated, that takes a lot of time. Like it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. I was, I was just looking at my phone because I was texting with a friend yesterday about her own business struggles in 2023. <laughs> and she was doing some activities. She's like, I just keep telling myself it's a long game. I'm like, yes, it's always a long game. All of it. Like being human is the long game. Like and we hope in years that, and in times, that's true for many of us, that we do get a long time. But no matter what, like everything's the long game. It's like when we when we think of it that way, it's not, oh, this, this transaction, this action, this thing, this whatever. It's like being human is just a long, long game journey, like everything. And what works for one person might work for them because they've done 11 other things before it or 111 (laughs) and we don't know that like we don't know what everyone's long game looks like whether it's healing or or business or relationships or dating or whatever it's like we don't know i don't know for ourselves or anyone else (laughs) but it feels a lot better to keep showing up purposefully and intentionally, consciously, and curiously, and like, no, believe that there's a river of life for us. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels better. Yes. Yeah. Um. Can I go back to that? Do you have, do you still have time here? I have I, time. I have, 
I, I had I had no idea how long we're gonna go down the rabbit hole. So I'm here for it. Good. Okay. Um, when you were practicing as a therapist, and you you know you you told me before we got on that you did have a lot of experience with all different kinds of um, abortion stories. How did you end up being a therapist who who landed in that road? Like, there are some therapists who just don't talk about abortion, won't talk about abortion. Like, how how did you move in that direction? What how did you become that person? So I think I I cho- I signed up to um, really hold people in their complexity. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't know what was going to be like, I I kind of helped people like kind of like salt and pepper here and there before my own abortion. Yeah. But I had my own abortion um, when I turned 40 and I had no idea what it was preparing me for. And I so, was 38, same story. <laughs> and it prepared me for all these women in their forties who were facing abortions. Wow. Yeah. And it also, you know, one of the things I helped with, with a lot of people was infertility, helping people get pregnant. Yeah. And a lot of those women had abortions in their twenties and then here they are in their late thirties or forties and they can't get pregnant. And so Mm -hmm. being able to kind of support women through all versions of abortion experience and then having worked as a child therapist with children who had to get abortions. So I think that, um, I signed up to Sherpa people through some of the most sacred times of their lives. And yeah, you know, I'm not like for Washington, DC, I, I, I practiced in Washington, DC for a long time in the city and you can see me visually, but I don't look like a Washingtonian. I'm not a button up person. I'm not in a Brooks brothers or like Tory Burch anything. Yeah. I'm, I have a wolf cut right now. I often have red lipstick. I'm, I'm a lot. Yeah. And these women who chose to, to trust me, like, um, people in the news kind of women, um, in the news and of the news and to have their trust. And oftentimes it would be with their partners. Mm-hmm. And so um, doing ceremonies and rituals on top of like processing it personally with them around yeah. lineage work and um, how these people tr- chose to trust me for their, their, um, their healing journey was really profound. Yeah. And um, you know, just, to know that um, these safe places existed because in a place where a lot of people, they're not equipped. They don't know how to say I'm not equipped. And instead they just say, I can't, or I won't. And that vulnerability that it touches in our own personal stories as helpers and healers. um, I think I just, you know, I'm profoundly grateful to uh, my lineage for equipping me and for my soul's choice Mm. to have to face abortion in my lifetime personally. Um, so yeah, what all- shifted for you as like, so I was 38 and for me, like I, I was just sort of intellectually pro-choice, like it all checked all the boxes and made sense. But like, I did not understand the nuance of the complexity until I went through it myself. I call it my immaculate IUD removal. Cause it's like, I'd had an IUD, like, physician removed and I don't understand how the second IUD fell out without me knowing but like 
I do still believe it was so I could understand this, so I could do this work. Like, what changed for you around your your understanding of the complexity and the and the nuance in this in making this choice? Um, well, the 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 circumstances of my abortion was around a, a complicated um, rape. Okay. So yeah. I can leave that, and I, I process it. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't actually know I was pregnant. Okay. And when I, I'm, I was very regular at that point. And when I realized that I was pregnant, I was a single mom. I was recently divorced Yeah. and I knew I had to get an abortion. And I come from a Italian American family. That's very Catholic and naive in some ways. And it doesn't mean they don't love me or anything like that. But when I called my mom and asked her to come and help me, yeah, she was like, I have to leave work for that. Like, I don't know anyone who's ever had an abortion. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm sharing this because people's relationships with their families dramatically oftentimes change if they choose yeah. to share. Yeah. And in that moment, I just had compassion for my mom and for my lineage mm-hmm. because I'm sure there are women who needed to have an abortion. And one of my, um, on the different side of my family, my, my grandmother had, my, my grandmother had many, many, many miscarriages mm-hmm. and my, my grandfather was one of 17. And so there was no choice there. Yeah. So wow. For me, it was a, the, the first part was like this, uh, alchemical portal to really realize and contextualize the choice I had and yeah. the privilege I had that not a, a lot of women can choose. Wow. And um, I chose to have my abortion at Planned Parenthood in DC. Mm-hmm. And I had a um, kind of like another lifetime experience there where when I was recovering, I saw all of the doctors and all the nurses from like being together for 3000 years. I saw that they had been a healership team helping women navigate fertility and pregnancy and abortion for lifetimes. And I said it to them and I think they thought I was hallucinating, but I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an intuitive yeah. and I just thank you for your sacred service. And yeah. it felt like I understood the depth of um, the call for mm. providers who provide abortions. Like that is a soul calling and it's not an easy choice. And um, to work at an abortion clinic is not an easy choice. And um, I've had clients who were lobbyists for Planned Parenthood, and I I also kind of felt that's not an easy choice. So I saw all the places where it wasn't easy to choose if you've had an abortion or not, to be on the side of choice. Um, It was was profound for me. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think that that opened up something in me that these women that came to me, they were on, they were long-term clients. And so when they, it was like one after another saying after like two months after I had had my abortion, Amy, you're never going to believe this, but I'm pregnant and I didn't plan it. And I had another woman who came to me who had to hide a late stage abortion. And it was so complicated and very brave 
Yeah. But that's also something that's so taboo. Um, so being able to hold the taboo in a way that yeah. uh, I don't think I would have known before going through that experience myself. Yeah. It sounds to me like your own experience was almost like an, an energetic opening, like, like something opened in you that wasn't open before. And because when you're saying clients after your own experience, we're coming to you with your stories. It, that's not because you were personally sharing, right? That's oh, no, just, no, they, yeah. they no, they didn't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Was, I went through an initiation. I would call it. The, yeah. Like I went through an initiation. Yeah. It just, I didn't know that I was going, I didn't know that was part of my curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really clear on like, I hold a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I had no yeah. idea that, that was going to be one of the one of the places where I was going to be called to hold people and in, mm. in their whole system. I think for a lot of people, abortion is a part of their curriculum as you word it. Um, how do we be curious about that as people who go through abortions? Like, okay. Um, I think I hold a lot of similar um, spiritual and energetic beliefs to you, but I also believe some shit just happens. Like sometimes, right? Like sometimes like a bird poops on your head for no reason. Like some shit just happens. And then, and then other times it's like very meaningful. And like, so to the person who is wondering, like, did this happen to me? for a reason like what was the reason that that I went through this experience or these experiences like what made you so open to that initiation right like what made you hear it as um as rec as witnessing their call to the work and then opening yourself to a different version of that calling like what do you say to the person who was like this couldn't have been a part of my story for no reason um but I'm not sure how this was a part of my curriculum like how this was a part of my so when we when we get to say let me hold all parts of me yeah so sometimes it's like oh I, I needed this to be in touch with my vulnerability yeah that's a big big one yeah also I need to dis disidentify from shame yeah shame doesn't have to own me shame doesn't mm -hmm. have to tell my story um, I think that for many people, it's emotional or relational, but I for some so too. it's also about their bodies. Yeah. Like it is about their physical bodies and, and mm -hmm. realizing the power of the body. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And for, for some people to go back to the river of life and death, it's to, to realize that it is a choice. Well, I was going to say like that, I know for me, my personal story power of choice was just so uh like I didn't it, I it was my abortion was a place that I learned how much power I had like in a in a very big way um I think there's like I think for a lot of people abortions are a invitation to 
for knowing yourself, for vulnerability, for, for love, for trust, for um, a lot of like self-compassion, a lot of things. Also like this, like witnessing of how much power we have and this witnessing of like what our bodies are capable of. And I just think there's like a certain number of categories that a lot of abortions fall into for like, this is an invitation for you to heal your relationship with yourself, heal your relationship with your, with other people, heal your relationship with the earth. Like (laughs) all those things are on the table. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if if you find yourself being hooked in the powerlessness of it, it's like, what do I get out of being powerless? Yeah. Who does it serve for me to feel powerless? Yeah. And, you know, it's, you can be whole and make a, make a choice that is complicated. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm allowed to be a complicated person. What else is possible for the rest of your life when you, when you integrate and embody that? And you carry that with you. Like people, yeah. feel, even if they don't know if you've had an abortion, they can feel your wholeness. They can feel your potency. They can feel your clarity. Yeah. They can feel dignity and nervous system to nervous system. People pick up on that. Yeah. And that's, that's what creates liberation. Mm. So it's like when I carry the choice of choices, I I'm inviting your ner- nervous system into noticing where you can choose. Mm. And I think that when people get really enrolled in story or like, this is, this is, I'm just going to have to suffer with everybody else. Like that's not really serving anybody, the people who are suffering or you. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Is there anything (laughs) we should wrap up here, but is there anything that you have not said that you came wanting to say, or that you are now hearing some listener just craving from you or anything missing from this installment? (laughs) Um, I think one of the things I'm hearing is a a reflection I get from many people is to be able to check in with yourself and to say that it's okay right now. Mm. Like it's okay. I'm okay. It's going to be okay. Like it's, it's learning to be safe with, in this present moment, like I can breathe, I can drink water. I have, I have those, like, I look around me. I'm, I'm actually safe. Yeah. Like, how am I okay? Cause sometimes it feels like we're just not okay. I'm just not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. It's like, I'm a mess, right? Like I'm how, a mess on this yeah. person. Yeah. How oh. am I okay? Yeah. So I, I think that that's really I'm breathing. There's a roof over my head. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that. I was just on with a client today who I've sort of switched my practice to mostly just booking single sessions. Like, so I'm I'm working with a lot of people who I have never met and only work with one time. (laughs) We talked a lot in this particular call this morning about just like the goal is not this heightened glittery, glittery, like, yeah, some people like shout their abortion stories and they're super proud and yada, yada, yada. It's like, I think in being human, okay is is a really great place to be. <laughs> like, yes. Because the goal doesn't have to be fantastic, amazing. Like 
fabulous. It's like, if you can just spend more time tapping into your okayness, like that is a beautiful place to be. <laughs> it's like an underestimated word. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, if people want to learn more from you, hear from more from you, um, reach you, how do they do that? Substack. I'm, I'm opening oh. the Substack world and yeah. uh, writing is, is probably the best way in my website, which is just my name, mm-hmm. Um, I'm sometimes on Instagram, but social media and I are, the algorithm is not my uh, favorite place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those places. Okay. Fantastic. I'll link everything, but We'll find Amy. Um, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And um, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And thank you for opening this portal for so many people, which I know is so important and so yeah. sacred. It's definitely an honor and a gift. And I couldn't be here without my own abortion story. Right. Yeah. All right. Until next week. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.